Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. And welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the hidden power, your truth and manifestation. Thomas Troward. Thomas Troward. I've him a lot lately. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's super cool. I yeah. love that, you know, these titles, whenever you break them out, they kind of make me gloss over a little bit. I get a little <laughs> glazed because without someone like you to sort of break it down and decipher it, I would be reading probably the same page over and over and over again, which not isn't necessarily a bad thing because that's truly what study is. But whenever you get into the middle of the teaching, it's like, thank God you're here. Yeah, I'm a genius. <laughs> totally. That's I mean, what well, it is. I mean, we let's, know just, this. let's say what it is. This is known. No, but you, to be honest with you, it was the same thing when I first started reading. I was like, holy cow. But you know what was interesting, though, T, is that it so fascinated me. I couldn't get enough of it. You know, so I think it makes, I think when you're interested in something, it makes it easier to understand it. Sure. It's not like you're reading it because you have to and you're like, fuck, this is, you know, you, you, you get into it and I just, I just got into it. But you mentioned that I've been into this a lot lately. It's, it's some of the other ones. There's a couple of classes that I'm doing with 90 day programs, helping people set goals and break them and uh, break uh, bad habits. And I'm doing a lot of teaching from this stuff. So it kind of becomes fodder for the podcast. Like, oh, you know what? I haven't taught this in a long time, or I haven't taught this at all on the podcast. Let me, you know, I mean, I could probably teach from this book for a year on the podcast and and we would still be in it, you know? So it's... And and would you say that The Hidden Power is one of his most read books or would it be the Edinburgh and Dory Lectures? Like Edinburgh and Dory Lectures... uh, and because I know he's got quite a few, I mean, he's got like a probably I was just Burrow and Dory lectures is probably the most. This would be okay. a close second, I think. Yeah, because uh, I see like the hidden power, the law and the word, the creative process, and the individual Edinburgh yeah. lectures, Dory lectures, yeah, yeah. Bible mystery, and the Bible meaning. Like, he's got those are all part of other books. Like, okay. he, those are those are yeah, those are like broken They're lectures inside, yeah, they're, yes, they're all lectures. Got it, yeah. No, I, th- I just think it. I love that you're bringing a lot of what you're doing in that program you spoke of to the podcast because we all get to be the benefit of your genius when it comes to the works of people like Thomas Troward and some of the others that you've done, yeah. Napoleon Hill and all these others. Um, you know, this book in particular, The Hidden Power, is just packed with lessons, as you explained to us. What about Troward spoke to you most back when you were first starting and deciphering and learning? And how does it continue to provide you with answers today? Because he comes from spirit. He talks about, he talks about the, the human potential and the power from the highest power we understand, which is spirit or energy, and then down into the lowest form, which is the physical manifestation of anything, basically. Um, and if, if in the podcast, I also I, one of the things I mentioned was that I found Tony Robbins in '93, but there was something Tony was not talking about, and I didn't know what it was at the time. But it, it, I kept looking. There was another question that I had that wasn't being answered, but I still didn't even know what the question was. What it was was that Tony just dealt with behavior; he did not deal with the spiritual, the potential any of that side of it. I think he did later on, you know, I think he does some, a little bit of that now, but even not too much. He stays pretty far away from it. Um, and you know, I mean, Tony's stuff, he, he's, he's, uh, 
uh, he's a genius with NLP. You know, he's a he's a bandler grinder grinder guy, and you know that's where you know he's all about let's let's change it now, let's change it fast. Not really about understanding or awareness. I was looking for a deeper understanding than let me just change this bad habit, right? I mean, that would be one thing if you want to do that. I have no issues with that, but there was a, this whole this this whole education that I didn't know was there. Um, that obviously in some way or another I was hardwired to. And when I, I just became uh, very inquisitive about it, let's put it that way. How did you first come into Trower? Did you learn Proctor. that? Was Proctor. It from, okay, yeah, it was from Proctor. Proctor. Got it. And, and these 93 Tony Robbins tapes that you've talked about before, and that was a part of your sort of seven years of study, yeah. which you've mentioned on the podcast a lot. And I love the story you tell about watching him on one of those old school infomercials. Yeah. And With Fran Tarkenton. Yes, exactly. Yes for, you know, resisting buying the program based on probably where you were at the time. You know, there wasn't a lot of money left over to be investing no. in your own growth. So when you look back at that fork in the road moment, how crucial was it to step through that fear, buy the damn tapes and take off from there? It was everything. It was everything. And uh, although I wouldn't have known that then, I think that because I'll never forget the conversation I was having in my head. This was a period of three nights that this happened. I came home, got dinner out of the refrigerator, popped it in the microwave, sat down, turned the TV on. Because I worked nights, and I would get home anywhere between three, 3 and 5 in the morning. And here's Tony, and I'm listening to him. And I think it was like 90 minutes back in those days. Like It was a long infomercial, you know. Sure. Uh, and I'm watching and watching, and he's talking about almost everything that I want to know about, you know, but I don't know where to find the information. So I'm thinking to myself, I got to, I'm going to buy this. I, I got to buy this. And I just sat there the first night in the chair and I didn't get up and order the tapes. Nothing. I had a credit card. If I remember, it was like 160 bucks. Um, it may have even been cheaper than that. Maybe it was like three payments that leaded up to 160. It was something like that. It wasn't a lot of money. It wasn't a lot. And even then it wasn't outrageous. You know, it wasn't like you're buying a car, you know what I mean? Or you're committing to this, this huge thing. The second night, I got out of the chair, went up to the phone, because the phone was on the wall back in those days in the kitchen, right? Rotary. Yes. Well, I had the push. I had the buttons. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, we had high, high Rotaries er, earlier, that's, that's a little true. earlier than that. That's true. Um, and when the operator answered the phone, I hung up, and I couldn't give her the credit card number. And the, thir the third night, I had to play this mental gyration in my head, like, First of all, I was thinking to myself, what if it's a scam? And I spend this money on, on it's a scam, right? Then I thought, uh, what if it doesn't work? And then I thought, is somebody going to be pissed at me because I spent all this money, right? Not naming any names, but would somebody sure. be pissed at me because right. I spent right. all this money? I'm going through all this in my head, like psychologically, this is just tearing me up. And finally, I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm just buying it. And I, and I gave her the credit card, and I bought it, and I devoured those tapes. I mean, I went... I. There were cassette tapes, right? Mm -hmm. The first ones that I had bought, I, I listened to them until they wore out. Wow. You literally, like the tapes broke, they yeah. fell apart, and I took good care of them. They kept them in a box in my car, and it was every day. I listened to it. Man. But that led me to Think and Grow Rich because he mentioned it in there. That led me to Deepak Chopra because he mentioned it in there. That led me to go to his seminars, right, where I heard about other authors. So it cracked the door. Sure. It, it pointed some direction. So I had some direction. And I started, I started getting involved and listening to what he was doing. 
And then, of course, you know, you get marketed to, you get offers of different stuff and you hear about different people. He came out with something called Power Talks after that, uh, where he interviewed all these people, Wayne Dyer and, and stuff. So I be start, uh, this, now the door is starting to open, right? And then it was three years later in 96 that I met Bob. Yeah. So, I mean, it was you know, a period of three years. I was kind of on my own there doing a bunch of Tony stuff. I was, you know, really into that. But I knew there was something else and I wasn't finding it. And that's when I met Proctor. I got two cassette tapes, uh, and I think they were called Bob Proctor Live in Orlando. And uh, really? yeah, somebody somebody I knew gave sure. it to me, and they're sure. like, "Have you ever heard of this guy?" I'm like, "No." And I, I I'll never forget this. I put the cassette. I left the office. I was working in Lamont, Illinois. I had to drive up to Rockford because I lived I lived in a town called Poplar Grove at the time. I get on the highway, and I'm listening to this, and Bob starts talking about spirit, and I just started to cry in the car. I knew I was hearing what I was looking for. It was like all of a sudden, everything, these questions that I had that I couldn't even formulate because I had no idea what I was thinking, you know? Sure. All of a sudden, everything came into view. Like I understood what he was, when he started talking about spirit flows to and through you, you build an image, spirit then flows. Like all of a sudden, religion made total sense to me. Prayer made sense to me. God made sense to me. All the stuff that I learned in, in as a Catholic, it all made total sense to me. And because I had studied these things, but nothing was coming together. You know, it's kind of like this. If you take a jigsaw puzzle, right, and I just throw all the pieces out on the table, but I don't show you the cover of the box, I mean, you fuck around with the thing, you know, trying to figure out, well, how does this go together? What is it supposed to look like? I'm not sure. Does this piece go here? Does this, maybe it's missing a piece. And that's what it was like going on in my head, right? Because no I had no guidance. And I had pieces of information that were good pieces of information, but they were all incomplete. So I got a little bit from here and a little bit from there and a little bit from here. And then when I met Bob, it was like he put the cover on the jigsaw puzzle. I saw what the picture was. And then now I had something I could work with. Sure. When I saw that, when I saw that image of how this worked. Right, because I'm a visual. I mean, most people are visual people, right? But I, you know, I could, I could on my drive home. The way he explained it, I could visualize the creative process happening. And here was the cool thing: I had been doing it relentlessly for three years. I just didn't know what the fuck right. I was doing. I mean, uh, uh, there was nothing that I could not accomplish. It was the most bizarre thing. It was like somebody gave me the lottery ticket to life. Sure. And all I knew was that if I kept doing these things, everything was working, you know, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember when I, when I finally got a chance to meet Bob and talk to him and I told him my story, which is a whole nother thing we could do a podcast on someday because him and I have very similar stories. It's kind of eerie. It's almost like brothers from a different mother, but, you know, two generations apart. He said something to me that made total sense and it actually gave me a little quibble of fear. He said, it's a good thing you started studying, he said, because you were an unconscious competent. He said, the problem that unconscious competents have is that if something significant changes, they don't know what to fix. They don't know what to change to adapt to whatever change, and they end up losing, and sometimes that just destroys them. Sure. So after I began to learn, that made total sense to me, right? And I thank God that nothing had changed significantly enough to knock me off track. Or Because you're talking about somebody who had low self-esteem, and my self-esteem was getting better, but it, you have to remember, my new self-esteem was now being based off of what I had, was accomplishing. If that had crashed, I might have been in a bad place. Sure. No, absolutely. It, it's interesting. You know, you we've talked a lot about, you know, you can only connect the dots going 
backward, right? So that right. fork in the road moment you just yeah. spoke of with the tapes that led you to more books that led you eventually to Bob and that download yes. you got. It's really interesting to go back and look at those moments and had you chosen a different path where you would be. We, Steph and I had the same experience with our introduction to you. You know, we had been approached or marketed to a program that you did with Allie Brown called the seven mindset and manifesting secrets of multimillionaire entrepreneurs. And we had to stretch to purchase that program. And looking back, it was like $500 that you would have thought that, Oh my God, that's like half my salary. Right. But we didn't resist it. Steph said, I'm doing it and I want you to do this with me. And that eventually opened up this door a little, and then it opened up a little more. And before you know it, we were coaching with you sitting in a room in California, having these great experiences. And it really catapulted us to the next level. But it's, it's so interesting that when you're presented with that, a lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, it's too expensive. In that moment, what advice do you give people to say, look, you're gambling with your life. Stop and think for a moment about what you are turning down because that's that opportunity. So what advice do you give to someone who's saying, well, I don't know, it's a little too much. Should I, shouldn't I? What do you tell them? I say, wake the fuck up. You only get one bite at the apple. This is, as far as we know, this is not a practice run. True. Yeah, true. As far as we know, it's, it's not a practice run. You know, we like to think all these things about what happens after we die, but we don't have anybody that's come back and told us yet. You know, so you have to go with with what it is. And, you know, yeah, I believe to some degree that our energy carries over into some other lifetime or some other transition of of what we are. But it's not going to go from us being complete losers to being better. Like, I don't believe that. That makes absolutely no sense from a scientific basis or from a religious concept. Makes no sense. So we have, so we get one shot at this. And the... The, 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 the thing is, is that a person has to wake up to the idea that they're going to die. You're going to fucking die. I'm going to die. You're going right. to die. Steph's going to die. Right. Everybody in this building is yes. going to die. We're all going to die. That is the end of the road for each and every one of us. What the hell do you want to happen between now and then? Right. Because you get to create what that is. Why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? right? What is it that you're, you're trying to control so much that you won't let go of? What appreciation is it that you're sucking from other people you think that you're getting that will not let you make the decision? You know, it, I, when, we, when you asked me about when I was sitting in the chair with the credit card for right. to Tony Robbins stuff, if you look at the reasons I came up with, all of them had to do with what other people thought of me. Sure. Oh, I don't want it to be a scam because everybody told me that the books that I was reading were a scam. You know, I remember somebody said, what are you going to get out of that book? And I don't remember what book it was, but it was like Think and Grow Rich or something. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to learn. The only people that make money from those books are the people that sell the books, right? So, I mean, the moment people around me found out that I was trying to get better, it was constant negative crap comments about what I was doing. Maybe I spent too much money. Yeah, but you've never applied anything before. So why not? Why now? Well, so what? So because I never did it before, I should just totally stop and say, fuck it. I'm not, you know, it's like, well, you didn't change before, so you shouldn't do anything now. It, well, where does that go? Like, what do you do right. with that? I should never stop trying to change. Maybe I'll fail every time, but one time I'll win. I'll, I'll make it and, and break through. Isn't that the idea? 
Yeah, it's interesting you succeeded in spite of that. Like, if the support would have been there, it, it may have been a very different outcome for you. Maybe that resiliency you got from people trying to hold you back, if you want a silver lining it a little bit. But it's so interesting that humans will do that to one another. They will, if they see that someone is growing at a faster clip than they are, immediately they want to attack and hold yeah. down and stop. It's right. interesting that that was, I mean, you've mentioned that before about your experience, but it's just, when you hear it said out loud, it's 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 sad in a way, but also maybe you it is. very resilient. It made me very resilient. The other thing was that I think, I don't want to take the, from everybody listening, if you listen to whatever uh, podcast I talked about when I got the near-death experience, when I got sucked through a dam, that happened in 1989, September of 89. And the interesting thing about that was that was the thing that woke me up to I'm going to die. Like we all, I knew I was going to die, right. but when you're that in your early twenties, you don't think you're going to die. It, so it took me 27 years to wake up to the idea that I could actually do something with my life. 1993, it's 27, it's 27 years old, right? Here I can do something. So every little piece I was looking at kind of like with the question of why did this happen? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? I've always had this question since I was a kid, and I think it came from two things. One, we had a terrible tragedy when I was four years old in my family that I watched people go through just horrific pain uh, with that tragedy. But within that, uh, I saw a lot of people talking about things that also spawned questions in my mind about life, even as a little kid. And I'm looking for answers in the normal places. I think people look for answers, like I'm going to church. That was how I was raised. I go to catechism classes. That's how I was raised. I'm going to school. I'm learning there. There's things on TV I'm watching. I'm learning there. So I'm looking for answers in my environment based on what my experience is at the time, and nothing adds up. I'm hearing totally contradicting things. You know, we've got to remember the Vietnam War was going on, Right. Uh, Martin Luther King was killed. Bobby Kennedy was killed when I was alive. Sure. Anyway, uh, you know Nixon was ousted. Like I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in our country. In a short amount of time, yeah. In a short amount of time, so you hear all of that in conversation. You see what's happening in the family, and you go to church or you go to catechism classes, and they're like, "We come from a loving God. God loves all of His children." You know, and you're telling you the whole religious thing, and you're like, "What the fuck is this? Where is this?" Where is this in my life? How how come nobody, I don't see this in the world anywhere. Like, where in the world is this? Mm -hmm. And then God forbid you should ask one of those questions right. in that class because they can't answer Rock the boat. goddamn thing. They can't answer it. Right. They can't answer it. Then, they, then you're a shit disturber because you asked a question. And if anybody with any brain in their head was looking at a kid asking those questions, they'd be like, I got an intelligent kid here, right? This kid's really thinking. But people are so dogmatized by what they're, believing they're not in it to actually do that much good to begin with. They're just in it for some safety for themselves. So all of that set up this framework in my mind where I had to find answers. See. And I just kept looking. I almost gave up until I found myself the, the, the recipient of my own bad decisions. You know, like, holy shit, here I am. You know, because I tell you what, my upbringing, it wasn't magnificent and it wasn't really bad. But where I ended up on my own was not magnificent. I mean, that's for damn sure. Like I had, I was like progressively going downhill very at a rapid place. It be, I also became very aware that the next step, the next fuck up 
could put me and my family out on the street. Now, that wouldn't have happened because we both had parents that would have taken us in, um, but the next fuck-up could have put us there. And I knew that. And I'm like, I don't have time. I have to turn this fucking thing around. Like, I oh, get it. I get it. I fucked up. How do I turn it around? How do I turn it around? And nobody had any answers. So it was, it was me saying yes to my higher self that gave me the answer, right, to change your attitude. And then it was saying yes to Tony Robbins, saying yes to Bob Proctor, and saying yes to everything that started to come to me. I knew, here's what I believed at the time. God was guiding me. That was my belief at the time. I didn't know so much about my higher self and the divine and your desire and all that crap. I didn't know anything about that. But I was believing from the religious aspect, God is, God is guiding me, right? These books are coming into my life for a reason. They weren't here two years ago, you know, when I was getting my car repossessed, but they're here now. So yeah, I was spending money that we didn't have, but I was learning and it was progressively allowing me to dig myself out of that hole. I did, it made a big quantum leap jump. And then for seven years, I progressively got better. I studied my ass off. And then that was when I decided to, to start the business because I knew at that point I could take anybody and I could show them how to change. It sounds like a lot of yeses. It's a ton of yeses. Yeah, it's a lot of yeses. I used to kind of... You know, and the no's are hard no's. Right. Oh, Jesus Christ, they're hard no's. Yeah, that, yeah absolutely, because you just don't know if that no is going to take you further away from where you're well, going. Well, I'm referring to something different. So it's a lot of yeses because you're saying yes to things you sure. never said yes to before, but now you're saying no to things that you used to say yes mm, to. The old Bad you. relationships, yes. toxic relationships, poor behavior. You know, you're changing a lot of different things and you're telling people that you love no because you know they're not going where you're going, right? right? And, and that's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. But but you can do it and people do it every day. Sure. That makes total sense. Just before we get too far along, I did want to refer back to the episode you were talking about, episode 31, Grab Life's Branches. That's where you told the story of your day on the Illinois River that really changed your life yeah. and made you sort of realize that you were on a path that eventually you're not going to be here forever. I think we all, at some point in time, you know, the older we get, we start to realize that, you know, we there is a, there is a finite amount of time we're here for you. You, you said that was 1989. You said like 27 years old or how, I don't know how old you were. I was 27 that, and 93. Right, okay. 93. So yeah, so that, so you were a young man when that flashed before your eyes. So grab Life's Branches, episode 31, go on our website, thesuccessfulmindpodcast.com, type in 031 in the search bar and it'll come up. That's a good one to listen to because I think that it gives a little sense that you are human, you are fallible and that sort of woke you up a little bit, not immediately, not immediately. Like saying that, but woke you up to the possibility that we're all going to the same destination. You want to uh, yeah. take that bite of the apple. I started looking at things that were happening to me different than most people were. And I realized I was doing it. And the hard part was I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it, you know, because I would tell the story like people would say, what is the story? Would you going through this dam or whatever? Now this is before I even go to a seminar or anything. Sure. Like I don't know shit yet. I'm still struggling at work. And I would tell them this story and I would, I would be very aware of how they were viewing what I what I what happened to me, right? And I'm thinking something completely different. And I noticed that there's this difference going on in the way that I'm seeing the world and the way that other people are seeing the world. It's almost as if I had this innate knowing that the way that they were seeing the world was not going to expand my life at all. You know, mm -hmm. because it was about let's get off work, let's go drink beer, let's go to the titty bar, you know, let you know, that's all these guys did. Right. That's it. I mean, they spent their whole damn life doing this. 
Um, and I was like, you, there's something else. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to find it. I didn't, you know, I kept for a long this time, I didn't think I would ever find it where I was living. Um, but I found out that that wasn't true either. However, it was, it was, it, it's, I had to know. I just, I just had to. I, but to your point, I also had to say yes to me. And that was hard saying yes to me because sure. you have to deal with, oh, that's selfish. Like you have to get through all that mental junk that's in your own head first before you start getting out in, and uh, what did you say? It, be, it made me. Um, uh, well, the resilience factor made alone. Made me resilient. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But you got to get past it in your head yeah, first. Yeah, it starts with you. Yeah, right? like I wasn't d- figuring out how do I come up with a hundred grand this month for the business? It wasn't those kinds of resiliences. It was, shit, I'm selfish because I'm buying this book. Like, what if I'm taking money out of my kid's college education to buy this book? Or sure. somebody's telling me, you know, you're going to read another book? What's that doing? You know, this kid's got to go to college in 20 years, right? And these are voices just playing over. Voices over in, in my head, head and people yes. in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like starting, let's say you're in a, you know, a hundred meter dash. It's almost like starting with a 20 meter deficit. So everybody's at the starting line. When you're making a professional growth change, you're starting not at the baseline. You're starting back here because of all the programming, the patterns, the voices in your head and those in your family who you lean on for support telling you, well, that's not responsible. Right. right? Totally not responsible. So interesting when you look at that. You know, I just looked at life and I, and I recognized that. Most of the people, my family included, just were not really happy. And I knew that they were not living the life that they really would have loved to live. And I had some glimpses throughout my life of people that were. Not a lot, not on a regular basis, but on occasion, I would meet somebody through something that I was doing. And this person was living totally different than me. Uh, I met a family this guy who was my best friend when I was in high school, his family was the closest family that I ever ever met that I would say was a healthy family. You know, and even they had their 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 issues, but they were seemed to be pretty grounded. They had good values, they had good ethics. Um, I used to make fun of some of them when I was a kid, but I looked at them and I thought to myself, if I want a good family when I grow up maybe I should model myself after these folks because they seem to have it all together where other friends had mom and dads who were divorced or dad was an alcoholic or mom had to work nights or, you know, like just all the kind of crazy shit that, that you see when you're growing up and this, they had a good family unit. They had a good core unit. They went to church, you know, all this stuff. And it was not something like I couldn't, it was like a beaver cleaver thing. I didn't see myself being that, but I was looking at it as a reference point to what does healthy look like? Because I sure as hell did. I had no sure. idea. I had no no clue. Well, you're, you're a seeker by nature. So you're just seeking out, you know, confirmations around yeah. you of this is how I want. Not exactly, but this is how I see myself. And this is maybe one, something I'd want to model. I had that in my, in my life too. Like my family was dysfunctional of sorts. They also functioned in pretty okay ways at times. But I did have friends like that who I would go to their house and it felt like a, a, a leave it to beaver situation. Like the mom and the dad were dancing in the kitchen. They're making, you know, dinner. They're hanging out. They're not yelling at each other. Like all these things right. were pretty ma- magical. And then I said, when I have a family, I'm going to try and do that. And I haven't been perfect, but it was something to model. But, that, but that's kind of describes your family. It does. It, it does. totally does. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll finish with this. In the podcast, you mentioned um, a couple of adjectives like eager and hungry, young, driven. Those were kind of who you were back then. And 
continue to do so uh, to this day. Um, and, th- and that's only how you view yourself both personally and professionally, I would say, eager, yeah. driven, <clears throat> hungry, yeah. uh, and especially when you were first cutting your teeth in business. So I think I'd like to end with, how have those adjectives changed over the past 20 years? And are there any other words you'd add now to that list that demonstrate how you approach your work, how you approach your business, more importantly, how you approach your life? Well, it's interesting because I have, as far as the business goes, I have two real passions. One is the business itself, and the other one is the material in in which I'm uh, always putting together and creating and teaching in various different aspects. And a few years ago, I had to I had to really make a choice on which one was I going to focus on the most because to grow the business to the vision that I had, number one, I don't think that that is my wheelhouse. I think I'm 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 good at it. I can do it, but it would take all of my focus to be able to grow the company that way and to maintain the because I'm the product. Right. It'd be different if we were selling Tupperware or something, right. right? I am the product of the of the business, so that's a problem. That's an inherent sure. issue. Um, in order to do that, I had to decide, well, what are you going to focus on, right? So that's where I sat down with Steph. I knew that this was her passion, that this is what she wanted to do. I always knew that she would be good at it. And we worked to get her into a place that actually proves that she is very good at it. There's no question about it. We would not be where we are today without her brilliance and her consistent desire to keep learning and move this thing forward. But what it's done for me is it's allowed me to take a step back. Because I don't have to be watching over every single thing every day because I can trust her to do that. And I can be focused on how am I going to grow it from the serviceability aspect of where we're going as a company and still be able to dabble in it enough to keep my beak wet, so to speak, right? But, you know, I'm getting older. So I, I'm, I, think, I think about, like, where do I want to be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, maybe 40 years from now? Where, where would I actually like to be? I'm just as hungry, but I'm looking for different areas. I'm looking for different ways to do what I've always done that reach more people. It, ha- it has more serve, so it has more serviceability to it, right? And that's what I'm looking for. And that's where like the podcast came from and the media company and diff- I'm like, I'm going to try different things other than just doing seminars or talking on stages, which is what I've done for 20 years. And let's see if we can expand this you know, even further and get better at those skill sets, make them better. Uh, and I, and I do, I mean, I think that, I think that the drive is, is definitely there. Interestingly enough, I'm more eager for the information now to understand it even more than I was 20, 30 years ago. It's like it grows. It's like Proctor told me, he said, it's a magnificent obsession, right? And I'm, I have a magnificent obsession with this. It literally is in everything I do. I'm always thinking about this in one way or another. I was talking to somebody over the weekend. I was watching a movie and they asked me, they said, what do you, when you watch a movie, what do you get out of it? They said, do you watch it like most people just for like entertainment and escapism? I'm like, no, I don't. And not that I don't ever, because I do. There's some fun movies that I'll watch just for that reason. But I'm trying to learn from almost every aspect of the movie. How did they how did they come up with the idea for this movie? How did they write the dialogue for the movie? What did the actors have to learn? What is the movie or the documentary or whatever it about, right? So then you know me, I just go into a yes. deep dive. I get every book that was ever written on it, you know, sure. I got to know the whole thing. But I am there I it, it's it's insatiable my curiosity about life, about human beings, about spirit, what we're capable of doing. 
I'm always on this edge of feeling like there's this other big thing coming that I'm going to be part of to move things forward in the world. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, it was, you know, if, if you, if you look at, at the, at the industry that we're in the way that it was 30 years ago, it was almost non-existent. I mean, there were, you had a few people out there, you know, Robbins has been at the top for forever, but, but now there's like, they're everywhere, right? right? The problem is, is that most of them don't really know what they're talking about. They're just parroting back what they've heard other people sure. talk about. But being on the front end of that thing and help creating so much of the way that it's actually done today, our company has done that. Most people don't realize that, but our company has done right. that. It's been it's something I'm proud of, and it's yeah. something that I know everybody in our company is proud of. Oh, hundred so. percent. Well, I'm in. I you know I'm not alone in saying that. We appreciate that your eternal flame has not wavered at all since I've been in the company over a decade, and I know you've been doing this for nearly three, it's one of those things where your insatiable thirst for learning and growing, when you get in front of a group of people and you're talking about the works of Troward or you're teaching a new concept, that comes from years and years and years of intense study. You could very easily rest on your laurels and be like, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to do this event. I'm going to do that event. I'm going to, you know, just shut her down and just do the bare minimum. You're, that's not who you are. So eager, driven, hungry, those have not yeah, changed. No, relentless. Rel yeah, they have in not changed. In insatiable curiosity. That, that describes this, in, it's, it's almost like a hunger that can't be filled. Yeah. Like it never goes away. And I'm glad for it because I'm, I mean, you know me, I get bored easy, mm -hmm. right? I get bored really right. easy. If I'm not having a good time, move on. I'm like, I'm out, yeah. right? I'm out. Just, I just go do my thing. Um, but I've never even been remotely close to board yeah. with with what I do with the business or with the content of the business. Hundred percent, yeah. Not bad for someone who you know dropped out of high school and just crushed. Yeah, it from and there. I, you know, and here's the thing: I'm not perfect either. Like, there's areas of my life that I need to get better in. I still need to kick this thing with my health in the ass and my and my bad back and stuff. I'm 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 working on it, and I slid back a few times on it. But the but here's the thing: the whole thing is is that. We're never perfect. It's can we progressively move forward? So that's what I'm looking to do. I want to progressively move forward. My tendency is to always focus on the thing that I enjoy the most and not necessarily because it's almost like uh, it doesn't affect somebody else as much as it affects me. So it's kind of like, eh, I ain't worried, too worried about it right sure. now. I'm going to yeah. stay up for two more hours and keep reading this book yeah. when I should go to bed and get some more rest so that yeah. I can get up early and go to the gym or, you know, that type no, of I thing. No, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. Progress over perfection. You've taught me that. I think you've taught that to all the listeners out there. Uh, this was an incredible look into Troward's work. I'd encourage people to, to get the hidden power, the hidden power, decipher it, you know, come back and listen to this over and over again. This is a good episode, especially considering how difficult that read can be. But if you study it, uh, all things can change in your life. So uh, appreciate the time and thanks for coming inside. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.